Hey gang, Rick Lee James here. I just wanted to remind you as we begin today's podcast that my new live album and DVD, Basement Psalms Live, is available at rickleejames.com. You can also get it for a limited time as a digital download at getmopix.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-P-I-X.com. Only $5.99 for the full, uncut, digital concert. You can watch it right on your mobile device from getmopix.com. Make sure to stop by rickleejames.com for more information on everything pertaining to my ministry, my music, what's going on in my life. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head podcast, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick James and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Welcome back to Voices in My Head, episode number 78. I am Rick Lee James. My guest this week is speaker Cameron McAllister. He works for Ravi Zacharias Ministries International. I worked with him at a camp just last week in West Virginia, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy what he has to say. We're going to talk with him a little bit in a few minutes here, and then you're going to get to hear a service that he and I were a part of together. I'm going to be playing uh, one song. Uh, at least you're only going to get to hear one song. I had played quite a bit before that, but uh, we'll be leading into his message. And uh, he has a great one. I, I'm really excited to get to share it with you today and to introduce you to Cameron McAllister if you have not heard of him before. Uh, he is really fantastic, and uh, I'm just going to let him intro himself in a few minutes here because we talked about it together in West Virginia and got that on uh, on the recording. I uh, do have a, a wonderful privilege to share with you guys. Uh, this is exciting news. If you live in the Springfield, Ohio area, or even if you don't and you want to make it out to Springfield, September September 20th, Nick Flora, my guest from last week on the podcast, we're bringing him to Springfield, Ohio. He's going to be playing at the Beacon of Hope Bookstore. He's going to be playing on WEEC on the 20th in the afternoon live, and uh, I'm going to open for him at his concert that night at the Beacon of Hope Bookstore, which is connected to the Kairos Coffee Shop. I could not be more excited about that. Uh, those of you who listen to the podcast regularly heard last week and uh, know that he is not only a great podcaster himself with Who Writes This Stuff, but his new album, The Reintroduction of Nick Flora, went to number 40. Actually, it was, uh, I think, up to number 38 uh, on the very day of its release, his new record. So uh, you need to check that out. Please plan to come out September 20th here in Springfield, Ohio at the Beacon of Hope Bookstore which is connected again to the Kairos Coffee Shop. And uh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, donate to Nick because he's coming all the way from Nashville to do this show for us. I could not be more excited. He is one of my favorite musicians and uh, just a great guy. So come on out to hear Nick Flora September 20th. If you're interested in joining the street team to help me get the word out about that, just simply email me. You can get my email by going to rickleyjames.com. Uh, and you'll find contact information there, or the easier way probably is just send me an email at rljames29 at yahoo.com. All right, well, let's go on with the rest of this podcast today with my guest, Cameron McAllister. On 
Voices in my head is Cameron McAllister. Cameron McAllister is one of the speakers for Ravi Zacharias International. And uh, I'm going to let him tell you just a little bit about himself, and then we're going to do question of the week together. But I've been at, uh, for the second week this year, uh, Fairmont, West Virginia, at Day Spring Camp for Mission to the World. I've been their worship leader, and uh, Cameron has been doing an incredible job speaking, and I want him to just quickly tell you a little bit about himself. Well, thank you for having me, Rick, first of all. And as he said, my name is Cameron McAllister, and I work for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And it's a privilege to work with the ministry. Uh, I work with a number of very gifted men and women, and it's also an honor to be here at Day Spring Camp in Fairmont, West Virginia. It's been a hot week. Mm-hmm. It has been hot. Uh, now, in just a few minutes, they're going to be uh, hearing a message from you, which you preached on, uh, I believe it was Thursday night here at camp. It's a really good one. I, I felt like the service went really well, and uh, so I'm excited to be able to, to share this particular message with them. Uh, if someone is listening and they say, hey, that guy's good, I'd like to have him to my church or my potluck or to come talk to my preschool i don't know you know what <laughs> bar mitzvahs whatever um maybe you could give them some information on how they could contact you or any of the other speakers that you work with i'd be happy to do that rick if you want to contact me or any of the speakers at ravi zacharias ministries all you need to do is go to www.rzim.org and you can request a speaker there and we will put you in touch with all the right people and get things in motion. Excellent. All right. Well, without any further delay, we're going to go into um, one of our favorite uh, sections of the show. I don't segment. I always call it a section, and I mean segment. A segment. A we, we, segment we, we know what you mean, Rick. It's fine. Um, that's why they've never hired me as a DJ. That, and I've uh. never, ever applied. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> moving into question of the week. Question of the week. All right, question of the week this week is uh, a complicated one, possibly. Mm. It's, uh, what music will you be nostalgic for in 10 years? Well, let me qualify my answer real quickly by saying that there are certain bands, of course, I mean, they will become dated, but if you listen to them a lot, they can't really make you too nostalgic. So this is a band I don't listen to too much. But they, I have a feeling in 10 years, I'll be pretty nostalgic when I hear them. Foster the People's Pumped Up Kicks. That summer is, I mean, that song is very emblematic of a certain summer of mine. So I have a feeling, uh, if I'm around 10 years from now, and I hear that song, that summer will suddenly come flooding back to me. And I, that, it seems to me, is the very essence of nostalgia rick well that's very true i think i want to change my answer that i had because i just listened to you give your answer and i thought i'm going to be listening to uh, this guy so i won't be nostalgic for him uh, okay. 10 years from now I, I was going to say nick flora because he's one of my favorite artists but i'm going to still be listening it's hard to, to feel nostalgia for right you listen I'm, to all the time so now i have to think who's somebody that i'm not going to listen to for the next 10 years and then i want it so let but me... it's kind of good too you gotta kind of <laughs> like the right song. i know it's got to be excellent and good uh, I'm going to say, and you're going to laugh at me because we talked about this yesterday, and I know you don't care for him, but probably John Mayer. Ah, Because sure. uh, Le- uh, Where the Light Is, his live concert, is, uh, as a guitarist, one of my favorites. So mm. uh, I probably will be nostalgic for John Mayer, but I do not listen to him very often at all anymore. So you know what? 
a flood of associations is coming. Think now, come to think about it, another good one, another candidate I think would be fun. Oh yeah, some yeah. nights or we are young. Yeah, that's true. Those are those are prime candidates for nostalgia, right? Well, who's the guy that won the Grammy this year? Someone that you used to know. I can't think oh, of him. Oh my but goodness! I don't yeah. think anybody's going to listen. Nobody's going to gonna know. Nobody even knows who he is. <laughs> even right now, we don't listen to it. No, but, yeah, no, never a, again. But it's a song you hear. So, yeah. Sorry, we just wrecked your career. Person we don't Person remember we your don't name. Know, yes. Congrats on your Grammy award. Somebody though. that we used to know. That's, <laughs> that's a <laughs> like Grammy. I've never won one or been nominated. So yeah, I guess I can't talk either. Yeah, so that's congratulations to you on your Grammy and rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> all right, well we're gonna move on now, and uh, I hope you're gonna enjoy the rest of this podcast. It was a really good one. Uh, it will be starting with me playing a song, going right into Cameron's message. And uh, that is going to be the podcast for this week here on Voices in My Head. God bless. You can dock my pay by one song if you want. I'm just going to do one more tonight, though, and uh, I want to make sure Cameron has plenty of time. Uh, but this song specifically, we talked about um, Cameron and I and, and kind of trying to plan for the service this afternoon and where he was going with his message tonight. Uh, and it's a song called Advent Hymn, and I don't want you to be misled by it. It's not simply a song about the season leading up to Christmas. Um, it's a song that brings us through the whole story um, from the beginning to the end. And um, you know, there, there are times in this world that we get to see the kingdom of God breaking out in our midst. And I think Cameron and I both experienced that today when we were with this dear lady named Grace. She's an elderly lady. Um, doctors told her she had five years to live six years ago. And um, she just was, was very um, quiet, didn't, didn't have a lot to say this morning. As you can tell, I don't think she was feeling very well. And she started talking about music that she sang growing up when she would go to church and come back from church. And she said she really liked Bill Gaither. And I just started singing, um, He touched me, oh, he touched me, and a, and a couple other like that. And she just came alive. Her, everything changed about her, didn't it, Cameron? Her eyes lit up. She, she started singing along. She just kind of came out of her shell. And, and she surprised herself even. She said, she said, I didn't know I could still sing. Let's... That's amazing. I don't know. I usually don't have the breath to talk hardly. And so it was just neat to get to see how the kingdom of God is breaking out. That, that in Jesus Christ, through his coming in this word Advent, this expectation, he has come, he is coming again. And the kingdom of God, through Jesus, has been set loose upon this world. And uh, so I'm going to teach you this song tonight called Advent Hymn. You're hot, God bless you, so you just stay seated tonight. Heaven sent a child to save us, life for all to see. Helpless baby, mighty Savior, holy
of nations, God in flesh became. Watching, waiting, longing for the day. to hear all of these stories. 
some crucial decisions were made, and it just reminds us that in, in the midst of all of our frenzied activities and all of the rushing and all of the work, God is at work. The Lord is at work. I don't know how many of you are familiar with a gentleman named Dallas Willard, but he's a wonderful writer. And on a Q&A panel at one point, he was asked, you know, what are some of your practices every day that just sort of your spiritual practices? Dallas Willard is, was known, I should say. Um, sadly, we just lost him. But was known as sort of a spiritual transformations guy, a guru. And his answer was so simple and so beautiful. He just said, every morning when I wake up, I say to myself aloud, the Lord is here. The Lord is here. I've tried that. And you would be surprised how moving, how powerful it is just to say that aloud. I think it's part of what Paul has in mind when he tells us to pray without ceasing. I think part of the spirit of that wonderful little phrase is that we never forget God is present with us in all of these moments. The Lord is here. And we've seen that erupting today. And it's fantastic to hear that. Well, all the way back, it seems like years ago on Sunday, I talked about 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you. Do this with gentleness and respect. And I said that the Greek word, account, that word, account, rendered in Greek, is logos. And logos in a word means evidence. So today, I want to talk about evidence. But no worries. Again, evidence can be kind of a, a word with some boring connotations. I'm not going to stand up here and recite scientific facts for you or go through the Fibonacci sequence or anything like that. All of these are wonderful, even marvelous things to talk about. But instead, I want to talk about the most powerful evidence that each and every one of us here has at our own disposable, uh, disposal, I should say. Well, if you are a disciple of Christ, you are in possession of some of the most powerful, compelling evidence for his work in your life. And the evidence, of course, is you. You are the evidence. Exhibit A, you. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul tells us, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that the gospel transforms lives. The gospel changes people. Its progress is not measured in eloquent phrases and words, but in changed lives. Lives forever altered. People who are Christians will never be the same again. C.S. Lewis says, God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, 
but to produce a new kind of man. Jesus Christ died to produce a new kind of man. The gospel makes new men. If you're a Christian, you are a new creation in Christ. And your story, the story of Christ's intrusion into your heart and his transformation of your soul, is the most important piece of evidence that you have. So tell your story and tell it bravely. This story matters immensely. When I was a young boy, my dad would sit on the bed and it was story time. And dad told me about a bad man he once knew. This bad man was incredibly physically strong and he used his physical strength to hurt other people, to beat them down. This man was also a criminal and he had some pretty influential friends. He used these friends to lord his power over other people, to manipulate people and to hurt them as well. This man had it together. He was a powerful guy, but he was a bad guy. He was a dangerous guy. This kind of man was the kind of man that my dad told me I would need to avoid as a young child. This man hurt people. And I loved hearing about this bad man. This was sort of like a little running series. He told me a little bit more of the story every night. This man was a bouncer at one point. He, he was a bodybuilder. And then he began working for a man named Monty, a criminal in the Scottish underworld in Glasgow. And then finally, this man revealed, was revealed to me to be my dad. My dad looked at me and said, son, that man was me. And I was incredulous. I was dumbstruck. I looked at this loving father sitting on the edge of my bed. And I thought, no, 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 no. This is not the same person. This loving dad, this, this dad who has raised me, who has cared for me, who has put a roof over my head, this guy didn't go around hurting people. It can't be the same guy. It's not the same man. And I was right. It wasn't the same man because he's new. My dad is a man who's being made new in Christ. And because of that astounding fact, I was looking and do look every time I embrace my father at a man who is no longer a criminal, a man who no longer hurts people, but a man who helps to spread the gospel. The gospel changes lives, and its progress is measured in power. I've met another man recently, and I tell his story freely because he's asked me, to tell his story freely. His name is Sanj. Sanj is cool. Sanj is awesome. Sanj is this really good-looking, tall guy who you'd swear wasn't over 30, but is actually 46. Very dynamic. Very fun. Well, Sanj, before he became a Christian, left no stone unturned in, her, in his pursuit of pleasure. There's nothing he didn't do, and there's no one he didn't do it with. He was a wild man. 
But then one day, Christ got a hold of his heart. He happened to hear Ravi Zacharias, the president of the ministry I work for, and he was stirred to his soul because he was so unhappy. He had it all. Wealth, beautiful women, everything he could want. He lived in Hollywood. Any party he wanted to get into, he got into. Anybody he wanted to see, he saw them. He's met most of the actors I can name. He had done it all. He was athletic. He was a tennis star as well. He was empty. He was unhappy, desperately unsatisfied. And the Lord began to change his desires. He began to be hungry in a new way. And he became a new person. The theologian John Navone says, It is safe to tell the pure of heart that they shall see God, for only the pure of heart want to. And suddenly Sanj is a man who wants to see God. I was, I was sitting down with him recently in Singapore, where we were having our team meetings. And I had written an article, and in this article... I talked about how Christ has knit within us a heart that is an eternal instrument. And because of that fact, nothing less than an eternal God can satisfy the cravings of that heart, the longings of that heart. And Sanj wears his heart on his sleeve. It's one of his most endearing qualities. And he pulled out the article, and he had this underlined, and he looked up at me with tears gushing out of his face, and he said, Cameron... You're so right. This is what happened to me. This is what woke up inside of me. Please tell people about this moment between the two of us right now. Tell it wherever you can. And I said, all right, Sanj, I will. The gospel changes people. Jesus says that it is easier for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself now. I didn't grow up wealthy, it's true. At least not in the material sense. I grew up as a missionary kid in Vienna, Austria. I find I need to stress Austria. When I first came to the States, people thought I was saying Australia and they were really disappointment, uh, disappointed that I didn't have this sexy crocodile hunter accent. <laughs> we don't have any cool accents in Austria unless you count Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get down! <laughs> Austria. No koala bears or cool accents. But I grew up there, and I believe I was rich in a different sense growing up. Lewis hones in on this other kind of wealth very well. He says... If you have sound nerves and intelligence and health and popularity and a good upbringing, you are likely to be quite satisfied with your character as it is. Why drag God into it, you ask? A certain level of good conduct comes fairly easily to you. You're not one of those wretched creatures who are always being tripped up by sex or dipsomania. Dipsomania, by the way, is a craving for alcohol or nervousness, or bad temper. Everyone says, you're a nice chap. And between ourselves, you agree with them. You're a nice chap. 
you're quite likely to believe that all this niceness is your own doing. And you may, not, you may easily not feel the need for any better kind of goodness. Often people who have all these natural kinds of goodness cannot be brought to recognize their need for Christ at all. Until one day, the natural goodness lets them down and their self-satisfaction is shattered. In other words, it's hard for those of us who are rich in this sense to enter the kingdom. Now, I don't have a lot of natural goodness that comes to me. I won't claim that. But I want to ask, and this is a very haunting question, what about those of us who have grown up in Christian households, who have not seen transformation from the outside, so to speak? What about spiritual wealth? What about those of us with parents who diligently modeled their faith in a very authentic manner? Those of us with parents who were not hypocritical, these are spiritual riches. I grew up in a home filled with spiritual wealth. And it was nearly the source of my undoing. Because I took it for granted. It's a very real temptation for those of us who have grown up in Christian households. And at the age of 14, my dad finally decided that he felt called to work with Dr. Ravi Zacharias and uproot us from our home in Vienna, Austria, and move us all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. I was 14 years old. It's a difficult age, it's an awkward age, and I'm a difficult and awkward person, as my wife and any of my friends will readily attest. I came, I didn't fit in, I was very much the outsider, and I began gradually to play more and more and more and more into this outsider role, until I gravitated towards lots of subcultures, and pretty soon, one thing led to another, and I was into satanic music. Extreme music seemed to be the only thing that could match the intensity, the ferocity, the vehemence I felt within myself. And so, as I told you the other night, my dream was to move to Scandinavia and howl and growl into the Arctic winds. This was my life's goal. My poor mother, my poor father, they could not understand this kid. But then one day I happened to be wandering around in a bookstore in the philosophy section, no less, of a now defunct Borders. And I pulled a book from the shelf called The Basic Writings of Existentialism. I had no clue what existentialism was, but it sounded great. Existentialism. I wanted to know what that was about. So I started thumbing through it, and I instantly decided I need this. I must have it right now. So I bought it, went home absconded to my room immediately. And in there I found Kierkegaard, I found Albert Camus, Jean-Paul Sartre, and Dostoevsky. And I began to avidly read. And I would say I probably understood 30% or less of what I was reading. Do you know the first section in that book was called, Is There a Teleological Suspension of the Ethical? <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. But I was thrilled, I was drawn in. This was fascinating. But oh boy, then I found Dostoevsky, a Russian author, a rich, deep, dark, existential soul, if there ever was one. And I began reading the opening section of Notes from the Underground. And the first line is, I am a sick man. 
and something inside of me snapped on. Something woke up. The dam burst. I began to feel tremendous conviction, and I began to feel a real hunger because I knew I was a sick man. I saw myself clearly for what I was, a pale, skinny kid with a black leather jacket on, which looked ridiculous on me. I'm still pale, by the way. That part hasn't changed. Black leather boots who couldn't have been more afraid, who couldn't have been more lost, who couldn't have been more lonely. I pretended to hate people. I desperately wanted people to love me, to care about me. And I was afraid to admit it. And God began to do a work in my heart. He, you know, the poet John Donne says, Batter my heart, O three-person God. And painfully, God reached into my chest and battered and throttled my heart. It wasn't long before I came across Revelation 21.5, probably my personal favorite verse in all of Scripture, which declares, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I love the word new. Next to wonder, new, newness is my favorite word. It's beautiful. It's so latent with possibilities. Christ makes all things new. And I don't want to make any assumptions. If you don't know Christ, call on His name. I promise you. Whatever is eating, in, eating away at your soul, if whatever you find yourself ensnared in, whatever is enslaving you, I don't care what it is. He'll make you new. He will change you. You can't do it. You're right. You can't. But He can. And He will make you new. And if this has happened to you, if you've been transformed, if you've been changed, it's your evidence, it's your account, it's your logos, it's your story. Tell it. And tell it bravely. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't say it any louder. Tell it bravely. I don't care how small it is. I don't care if you weren't a criminal or a raging alcoholic or a Muslim. It matters tremendously. It's every bit as radical as what happened to my dad, what happened to Sanj. Luke 15, 7 tells us, I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Brothers and sisters, your conversion, your transformation was cause for celebration in heaven. There was angelic applause in the celestial city when you gave your life to Christ. Oh, that matters. Oh, that's important. You will be made new. I'm going to close with Lewis this time because I can't say it any better. My, converse, my uh, talks have been rather Lewis-centric, have they not? <laughs> it was funny. I, was, um, I had a riveting conversation here with... Um, two gentlemen early, er, earlier, Pastor Chris Wiley and John Sunday, and I had a U2 moment. I'm not talking about Bono. I'm not talking about U2. But Lewis says, a friendship begins, a friendship erupts when you find somebody and suddenly you say, U2? I thought I was the only one. Well, I had one of those moments with those two gentlemen, and what a pleasure it was to talk with them.
and just to, to hear from them. It's so humbling to be teaching in a setting when there are so many gifted men and women. But Lewis asks us to imagine ourselves as a living house. This shouldn't be too hard for all of us, this metaphor, since we've been literally repairing houses all week, have we not? And we've seen rotting foundations, we've seen crumbling roofs, we've seen hazardous materials. So listen to this. Lewis asks us to imagine ourselves as houses. And God comes to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, and he's stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably, and doesn't seem to make much sense. What on earth is he up to, you ask yourself? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. He is building a palace, and he intends to come and live in it himself, the very creator of the universe, the author of your salvation. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are nearing the end of a week, Lord, and we're amazed. It never gets old to see you in action because you are the God who makes all things new. And as Raphael and Rachel and so many others were sharing, Lord, the Holy Spirit just erupts. And Lord, we feel your presence and we see how much you do through us. What an honor it is to be used by you, God. Lord, the story of your transformative power in our lives is the most powerful piece of evidence we have. Help us to tell it boldly, courageously, and bravely, Lord, to a hurting world who desperately needs to hear about newness and about change. Every man and woman needs to know that they too can become a citizen of heaven, that they too can be made into a palace. May we never forget this astounding truth, Lord. It's in your Son's holy name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, and God bless you. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.